Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. You may be seated. We're not going to be here long, but I still want to take my time. I want to exhort you while it's called today. Encourage you while you have breath. And enlighten you while you are here. And I want to remind you of what was said last week. Because I don't want you to become discontent which will make you disregard or become distant and disengage. Disengage will cause you to disconnect with the Father and disengage fellowship with the saints and disconnect relationship with both. This will only put you in a destitute condition. So this morning, we want to ask this question. What part of Jesus don't you believe? What part of Jesus don't you believe? Is it his birth? Is it his life? Could it be his death? Maybe his burial? Or his resurrection. What part of Jesus don't you believe? Everybody who says they believe in Jesus don't. Many say he was born and died, but not resurrected. They believe in his birth, but not in his life. Let's briefly define these words. Birth is being born. The beginning of life. Life is living. Human existence. It is to live and breathe and move and have your being. The interval between life and death. Death is termination of the living existence of life as we know it. Burial is to be put in a tomb or grave where there is no life. 
But resurrection, note this definition. The rising of Jesus on the third day. The dictionary said that. It is also defined as revival or rebirth. In order to have a rebirth, there must be a birth. In order to bring back to life, it first must be taken. Y'all hear what I'm saying? You must believe in Jesus to believe these next verses. Look at Romans 6, chapter 3. I'm Romans 6, verse 3 through 5. Romans 6, starting at verse 3. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Our baptism is symbolic to his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. The life that we live should be new. In other words, not walking in death, but walking in life. Not walking in the old man, but walking in the new man. Can you see how we must believe all and not have? Verse 5. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. All of these are important because without one, you cannot have the other. Knowing this, our old man is crucified with him. Now, sin is destroyed in this body. So we serve it no more. So let us take a look at his birth. The scripture prophesied his coming. Isaiah is not the only one that talks about what happens. So let's look at Matthew 1, 18. We're going to let our fingers do the walking Amen. through the biblical pages. Amen. It says this. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Just in case it is not clear, when Joseph and Mary married, they were not intimate Amen. until after Christ was born. Mary was found with child before their marriage. Just making it clear, if you, if you could just understand that when Mary was a virgin, Father God decided to place in her. He did it. So understanding what had took place, Joseph respectfully, because somebody came to him and told him, go on and marry her. This is what's been taken, is being done, is by Father. But let's clear it up a little bit in Luke 1.35. 
And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. This just didn't come by happy chance. This is happening for a reason and for a purpose. And it is being done by Father God. Not just anybody was being born. It was God's only begotten son. Jesus' flesh identified with the son of man. And God's spirit in flesh represented the son of God. King Herod, now check this out. King Herod heard of the soon coming Messiah. And he wanted to know where he was at. Where is this taking place? But his motives were wrong. He didn't want to worship him. He wanted to kill him. And let's not forget, Jesus was not born in the finest hotel. It wasn't the Marriott. It wasn't St. Joe's. It wasn't a university. And, And Jesus did not have the finest clothes to be born in. Mary was not given a baby shower. You know how we do. Before a child is born, knowing the child is coming, the mother gets a baby shower. You order things from Amazon. Go to Macy's. J.C. Penney. Maybe five below. Seven and above. You bring gifts. Play games, eat snacks, have fun. But Jesus was the gift for the world. They didn't bring gifts. He was the gift. Look at Luke chapter 2, 7. And she brought forth her firstborn son. And wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Jesus was born outside. Did you hear me? Outside. And somebody said, What was the temperature? It don't matter what the temperature was, he was born outside. He was born in a manger. A manger is a trough which feed livestock. Placed there. See all all these these pictures they give you of of Jesus being born and all the settings? That's That's not the way it is. But we are so locked into what the world portrays and predicts this is how it happened. Not so. Swaddly clothes is not a blanket made and woven by grandma. Swaddling clothes is a strip of cloth. You know, whatever's left. Whatever you can grab a hold to. Again, she didn't have no baby shower. 
In order to understand Jesus' purpose in flesh, let's look at Isaiah 53. Starting at verse 3. He being Jesus is despised and rejected of men. How many see that today? Not just despised, but rejected. And, and I'm going to go as far as saying, not just by the world, but, but many who call themselves Christians. Despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief. Huh? I mean, in, other, in order to be acquainted with something, you got to go through something. So if you really think about your life, you ain't been through nothing compared to what Jesus went through. And he wasn't even guilty. I mean, listen, a lot of things we go through is because we're guilty of it. But he was acquainted with grief. And we hid as if were, it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. We didn't even regard it. No value. Hit our face. Huh? You, you know, I got you back. Brother, I got you back. And when something happened, I don't know him. I don't know him. I don't know the man. Remember, it told us in Hebrew, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without all points. Jesus acquainted. Jesus knew what you're going through. Jesus knew where you was being tempted and how you was being tempted because he was tempted also, Amen. yet without sin. Verse 4 says, surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, sure have. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Being born in his flesh, Jesus knew how and what we felt. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He sure was. He was wounded for he didn't do it, but he was wounded for us. He was bruised for our. It wasn't his, but he was bruised for us. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. With his stripes, we are healed. Jesus came and did this for us. Amen. Jesus had to be born like this to remove the excuse from us. Amen. He gave us power to overcome the excuse that we could stand forgiven from the Father. Amen. Did you hear what I'm saying? You have been forgiven because of Jesus. You cannot just believe his birth. You've got to believe it all. Jesus was born in the flesh 
which allows us to be born in spirit. Going back to Isaiah, it tells us, unto us a son is born. Before believing the government being on his shoulder, we must believe he was born. And he is God's son. Again, for this reason, Herod wanted to kill him. He did not want no other king to have authority over him. Just like those in office today. They don't want to answer to any other power. They want to be the one. And they're not the one. Jesus is more than just a prophet. He's the Messiah. He's the Christ. Emmanuel, which means God is with us. He is more than just the son of man. He's the son of God. But how could you possibly believe in his second coming if you have not grasped the first? See, there are still those that don't believe he has come. How can you believe what he has done if you don't believe who he is? Now that we see that he's been born and has come, do we believe what he has done while he was here? Those who believe he was here think he was just an ordinary man. They couldn't be farther from the truth. Listen to what Jesus said in John 6, 29. I'm talking about my elder brother here. This is the Father's will which has sent me. Did y'all know Jesus had a will? Before a will can be given to you, he had one for himself. This is the Father's will which has sent me, that of all which he has given me, I should lose nothing. But you raise it up again at the last day. You got to believe it all. Jesus was born for a reason. Jesus had a will when he was here. He was given the spirit without measure. Jesus healed the sick. He raised the dead, gave sight to the blind, fed the hungry, healed the brokenhearted, preached liberty to the captive. Jesus was, wasn't here in the flesh. He was here in the flesh to deliver us from flesh. Here are some of the things he said and done. Jesus told the disciples to teach them to observe all things whatsoever I have said. Jesus said, I pray for them also which shall believe on me through their word. Since we are not there, we were not there, we have the word that we may believe him. We cannot believe just some of the scriptures. The Bible says all scriptures are given by the inspiration of God and it's profitable. If we believe the scriptures, we believe his life. We believe it when he said, I come that you might have life and that more abundantly. We believe it when he says, I am the way, the truth and the life. No man cometh to the father, but by me. We believe it when he says, let not your heart be troubled. If you believe in God, believe also in me. 
If we believe his birth, we must believe his life. If we accept his life, we must believe his death. What we believe about his death is he died that we might live. His death had a purpose, just like his life had a will. Without his death, we could not have life. Jesus was a sacrifice to give us life. Jesus said in John, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it die, it brings forth much fruit. You see, the death of Christ is the cause of a greater harvest. The cause of his death brought the word redemption, the word redemption. In a harvest, if the grain does not die, it will never germinate or produce the glory of the harvest. If Jesus had not died, there would be no redemption. There would be no justification. There would be no sanctification. There would be no multiplication of God's character. No glory for God or salvation for man. But he did, and we must believe that he did, and he is and will always be. Look at Hebrew chapter 10. Starting at verse 1. I don't know about you, but I'm, I believe his birth. I believe his life. I believe his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Hebrews 10, starting verse 1, it says, For the law, having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with those sacrifices which they offer year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered, because that the worshipers once purged should have had no more conscience of sin. But in those sacrifices there is a remembrance again made of sin every year. God provided then a temporary fix for sin. You know, when you break something, what do you do next? You put some duct tape on it as a temporary fix until you can get another one. Knowing that duct tape is not going to hold. Sometimes you got to double wrap it because it just ain't working. Bulls and goats were a temporary fix that Adam broke when he sinned. Jesus became the permanent fix for us. Just like it says in the next verse, for it is not possible that the the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sin. Duct tape is not the permanent fix for what we break. Whatever you put duct tape on, Eventually, you're going to have to replace it. There's so many things I have at home. I know I'm just going to temporarily fix it because I don't want to go get another one. I'm just going to temporarily hold it. But eventually, you're going to have to get another one. How many find that out? Anybody use duct tape in here? 
It don't matter whether it's black duct tape, gray duct tape, whether you get the red or the blue, it's still going to do the same thing. You're going to have to replace it. Look at verse 5. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body has thou prepared me. See, I'm going to get in this broken up duct tape to show you how to permanently fix what's wrong. For us, his birth, life, and death had to happen. He had to die and be buried and rise for us to live. Verse 6 says, In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do thy will, O God. Above what he says, sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and offerings for sin thou wouldest not, neither has pleasure therein which are offered by the law. Jesus had to die in order for us to live. Now drop down to verse 14. For by one offering he hath perfected how long? Forever. Them that are sanctified. But you got to believe it. In order for it to happen, he had to be born. In order for it to happen, he had to live a perfect life. In order for it to happen, he had to die. In order for it to happen in burial, he had to rise again. Revival. Revive us today, Lord. Revive us. For our salvation is based on all five of these. Without them, we are most miserable people. I mean, you, you come here with hope. Huh? You come here believing. If we lived every day of our lives and had no hope, would you not be miserable? Why, why you think folks is committing suicide? They ain't got no hope. Why you think folks is going in depression states? They ain't got no hope. But we have hope. I mean, I know somebody said keep hope alive. But I'm here to tell you, hope is keeping you alive. Go with me to 1 Corinthians 15. Oh, bless you, Lord. Verse 12. Now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? Do you know some folks are saying that? Yeah. And do you know why it's got to, we got to be so careful because in some folks saying it, some folks are saying it in the church. Some that started out good preaching the gospel yeah. Yeah. are not preaching the gospel now. Mm-hmm. They're preaching everything but. And we've got to be careful because if you listen to them, 
and what the world is saying about them, you would become discouraged Amen. and begin to say, there is no resurrection. But listen, listen to what verse 13 says. Paul said, but if there be no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. Huh? Jesus is the firstborn of my many brethren. If there is no resurrection, Christ has not risen. Remember, resurrection means rebirth. If Jesus was not resurrected, we have no rebirth. We have no salvation. We have no hope. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain. And your faith is vain also. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God. Because we have testified of God that he has raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. If Christ ain't risen, can't nobody else be risen. If Christ had not been risen, then how can you think that somebody's in heaven? Everybody to die, and they got something to say. They say, they're looking down on me. <laughs> I ain't never heard what they said. They're looking up at me. Everybody dies and goes to heaven, but you're saying there is no resurrection. If there is no resurrection, that means there was no death. It means there was no life or birth. It means I preached a lie and you believed it. Verse 16 says, for if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. You are yet in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstborn, first fruits of them that slept. He has risen. He has risen. He has risen. Let me tell you something. Christ covered all categories. Even when he died and was put in a tomb. Do you know they tried to fix it so people say his body was stolen? When a thief comes in and steals something, do you think that thief everything nice and neat? I mean, it's a shamble when they get finished. But when they came into the tomb, the blanket and everything that was laid was Hold it nicely. A thief ain't going to take no time to fold nothing nicely. He covered all grounds to let you know I have risen. Didn't nobody take my body. God resurrected my body and gave me what was needed. All the grave clothes was nicely, neatly he, he, had on, he had on new clothes. 
Do y'all know as, as nicely as I think I might look in this suit, it ain't going with me. We have this hope in Christ. He was born and he was raised up. He lived and died that we could live again. He was buried on the third day, rose up and declared all power in heaven and earth is in my hand. When somebody has all power and you need something, all you got to do is ask. What you need, Deja? What you got, DJ? Huh? Whatever you lack, all you got to do is ask. Because it's available to you. But y'all know what? You got to believe it. You got to believe it. Let's close with these last words in John 12. John 12, starting at verse 44. Jesus cried and said, He that believeth on me, believeth not on me, but on him that sent me. What's Jesus saying? I'm a representative of my Father. I was sent on a mission. You ain't believing me. You believe in on him who sent me. The name Jesus given to me, that's my father's name. Amen. He gave it to me that you may believe that he sent me. And he that seeth me seeth him that sent me. Isn't that what he told Philip when you see me? Doesn't that suffice you? Because who is in me? Greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. I am come a light into the world that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. Have you ever literally walked in darkness and you couldn't see nothing in front of you? You're stumbling and somebody comes along with a flashlight and shines it and shows you where you're walking, that you don't step in something that you ain't got no business. Y'all know what I'm talking about. We've been walking around without Christ in darkness, stepping into things we ain't got no business stepping into, and some of it don't smell well. But Jesus came that you don't have to walk in darkness anymore. Verse 47 says, and if any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not. For I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. I came to give you what you need that you may have the salvation that you got to have. I came to give you what you need that you can stop doing what you're doing. And start doing what you need to do. I came to put you in check that you won't end up in checkmate. 
that rejecteth me and receive not my words have one that judge him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. Y'all reading this? It's going to judge you in the last day. Not because I said it, but you read it. It's for you. Forty-nine says, For I have not spoken of myself, but the Father which sent me, he gave me a commandment what I should say and what I should speak. All the time that Jesus was here and the Spirit of God was upon him and was in him, he was hearing from his Father. Where his Father told him to go, he went. What his father told him to say, he said. What his father told him to do, he did. And all the time that he was doing it, when they tried to grab him, they couldn't. At the point when he said some of the things he said and they tried to to grab him, and he slipped away. Because it was not his time. But his time came. He had to do what he had to do. And even in that sorrow, even in that that position, he said, Father, if it be thy will, let this cup. See, I I have never experienced being separate from my father. It was already a new thing that I was not in the bosom of the father, but the father was in me. But now because of your sins... I bore everything that I could bear, but now I got to be separate from my father because my father cannot look upon your sins. But he said, nevertheless, nevertheless, I'm going to give it up anyway. Nevertheless, not my will. Your will be done. Because they believed. And I know that his commandment is life everlasting. Whatsoever I speak, therefore, even as the Father said unto me, so I speak. I don't say this to condemn, but that you might have life. While you are here, while you are here, I exhort you again while it is called today. I'm here to encourage you while you breathe. And I enlighten you while you sit and hear God's word. With that, my time is up. And I thank you for yours.